another episode of Here's My Movie. We've got Pat the Cat on the couch saying hi, Pat. He doesn't have a microphone. And we've got Katie. Hey, hey. Welcome to the comeback special where we're using the default weird tune setting on a new audio deck. And God, we hope there's no copyright on this music. Or we're not going to be coming back again, ever. Also starring Bob Ross, who's playing on the Bob Ross Twitch channel in the background, completely silently. More of a video joke, that one. Uh, we're not ready for video. No, fuck no. I'm in my underwear. so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not appropriately dressed. It's, uh, it's a Sunday at the minute. Not that you guys might be hearing us on a Sunday. And as speaking of minutes, it's been... A hot minute. Oh, it's been a fucking age. Sorry, guys. You know, um, I'd like to blame COVID and other stuff. But Just do it. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't when know. Was our last episode? I'll look it up while you talk. But uh, Pretty sure <laughs> it was either 2019 or 2020. It was 2020, so we can totally blame COVID. May 2020. We've been in lockdown multiple times. Well, and also, like, I don't know about anybody else, but like I used to like I've worked from home in in other jobs and stuff like that but my current job you know it was sort of accepted that it was a hybrid workplace even before the you know COVID bullshit went down um and then you know it's like even even though it was set up for that before when you know COVID came into town everybody just went insane like and then it was like I was fused to the desk for sixteen hours a day just to facilitate a an, an online workplace. You know, um, things have changed since then, and you know, there's a bit more help in my teams and stuff like that. But there wasn't enough time for me to, you know, practice self care, let alone actually get through a podcast. So um, I'm. Quite certain we don't have an audience anymore. But no, we totally do. <laughs> but hopefully we can build one from here. Um, and I do hope you enjoyed the default sound file that came on the new uh, Rode Podcaster 2. Rodecaster Pro 2, yes. yes. So, um, we're not sponsored by Rode. We're not big enough to do that. But in my day job, I get to review uh, tech products. And usually it's more sort of gamey, mainstream, tech-oriented, keyboards, mice, speakers, blah, 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 blah. But uh, an opportunity came up to review the Rodecaster Pro 2 and we use it as an excuse to resuscitate. Here's my movie. Which And this will be episode 12. I did check. Um, I think we were both surprised. Which way were you surprised? That we'd only done 11 or that we actually had done 11? That we'd only done 11. Oh, that we'd only done 11. Like it felt like we'd done 100. Well, not 100, but maybe 20. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> no, no, but it, look, it, it makes total sense that this is number 12. Um, and I will say, I know we're not sponsored by them, but Road make the best shit bar none. And it's made right here in Sydney, everything. And um, like outside of the the deck, is that what it's called? Yeah, also, oh, pre- audio, audio interface. See, I'm really good at my job, aren't I? Yeah, uh, mixer. The mixer. So outside of the mixer, everything else we've bought. So we're talking on, what are these microphones called again? These are the Rode Procaster mics. That's yeah. where I got the names confused. Oh, right, yes. You know, if I do have a criticism, it's the names are difficult to remember. <laughs> and we've got, uh, I bought stands because in previous episodes, not that you would hopefully wouldn't know, we, we had the, the microphones uh, clamped 
to a very not stable coffee table and I was perpetually worried that they were going to fall over. So I went and got floor stands but these have their own challenges in that they're only very good at supporting weight vertically and not horizontally so I can't put microphones at weird angles. Basically nothing works, everything's a problem and it is the fault of all external things and not us that we haven't been here. See, I was going to go the other way with in terms of I hope this sounds great. Uh, oh, I don't care. It's just about definitely that. our problem if it doesn't <laughs> because it sounded great in the tests. We're just, we're just going to have some fun. We, we did watch a lot of movies. We did. In the last two years. I think it's safe to say not at the movies though. No, I don't want to go to that crusty shithole unless I have to. I can't remember. What was that terrible segment that I created that you hated the name of? <laughs> at the flicks or something like that? Is that what yeah. it was? It was something that you like, it was this spur of the moment. Like you, you were, it's like you were fresh off the road product naming department <laughs> meeting to, to name our thing. You'd be like the Flickcaster 276NT3 Hey, they'll be segment. listening. There'll be a product called that in three years from now. <laughs> They're not giving you any money I'm for it kidding. either. I'm kidding. You know how look, I've spent my life savings on road things so they can just shut up and put up with it, my feedback. That's fine. They're not going to listen to this. No, they're not. And ever. again, it is the quality of the sound, not the quality of the content. That's our catchphrase for our podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's all we got. That's all we got. So of the last two years of movies, I'll put you on the spot, what are the ones that kind of loom large for better or for worse for you? Are we talking new releases only in the last two years or, no, it could or be anything, everything? Anything that we watched. Everything. Everywhere? All at once. All at once. That That's a huge standout for me. Um, I think it deserves all of the praise that it's getting. Um, it It's very rare to have – I mean, I don't know how they pulled that off the way they did because – On that budget. On that budget um, and just the – calamity of the script and and bringing that into something that is completely off the wall still goes into you know this the concept of you know the metaverse and all that sort of stuff and and actually bringing that into into something that is poetic and beautiful and a very modern take on you know buddhist teachings and stuff like that it's it's an absolute feat and it was so entertaining. Jamie Lee Curtis is a global treasure, I think. What a legend. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just, it, yeah, it's very refreshing that something like that not only got made but had universal acclaim because that could have very easily been just too nuts to deal with for most people. Where I think it is for some people. Yeah. And I think the opening is a little bit um, frantic. I find it similar to we watched Uncut Gems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really liked that too. Yeah. And and I think it was, uh, you and, and a good friend of the podcast, Alusha, was watching it as well. And I could sense the tension from you two as we watched it because it just keeps ramping tension in a way that I would equate to if you've seen Dunkirk, the way that the soundtrack has that audio effect that makes it feel like it's constantly rising and never stopping. Yeah. But that it, the, instead of that, it's just the way that the plot plays out in Uncut Gems makes it so that shit just keeps going wrong, 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 wrong. And for um, everything everywhere all at once, 
that opening is a lot. Like yeah. they they do not ease you into it. They do the opposite. They throw you in the deep end and it's coming at you at this pace and everything that's going on is just overwhelming. Um, but we've watched it twice, which is kind of not rare for us to watch movies twice, but we watched it earlier this year and then we uh, bought the 4K disc version recently because I'm like, I need to see that again. And we watched it again. So we've watched the same movie twice within a few months and it's not like a a boozed viewing thing, you know, where it's like, let's just put on the comfort movie in the background where we pass out on the couch. And it really like stuck with me and it haunted me. And, and I was absolutely like, yes, I want to watch this again. Um, I want to support movies like this more. I mean, it, <laughs> I have a policy when it comes to buying 4K movies and it's like, it has to be under $25. Like I will wait for it years or it to go on special. Cause I mean, we have so many streaming services now. And if you haven't discovered Just Watch yet, which I'm pretty sure works in most parts of the world, you just change the URL slightly. But in Australia, you go to justwatch.com, I think forward slash AU. And you look up a movie or a TV show and it tells you where it's available on streaming services. And given that we have pretty much every streaming service, including some American streaming services that we pay for, uh, HBO Max and Hulu, we can usually find most movies. Um, but yeah, like when this came along, and, and I think it was like 40 bucks I had to pay for the Blu-ray, 40 bucks. Psh, uh, happy to do it. And yeah. it's not like it was one of those, we need to see that in 4K because... It's, you know, this visual masterpiece, although it is very visually compelling uh, or one of those, like it's such a big budget, like Top Gun Maverick is going to be an easy 4K purchase just because of the way they did that movie. Another movie that is good but doesn't have the the staying power of everything everywhere all at once I think will be one of those. If you haven't seen it years from now, people will be like, what are you doing? Like go watch that. Yeah, yeah. And go watch it multiple times, especially if it confuses you. Because what I love about it is the sincerity. Yeah. Like they, there are things in it and I don't want to ruin them if you haven't seen it. Mm. I don't want to even allude to them. But there are things that are so ridiculous that if I said them you would laugh because you would think they're a bit. And sometimes it, you do laugh at it and you're meant to. But other times they just play it with the sincerity that it is the most normal thing that could ever happen. Um, and that really helps to add to the heart. Well, the it's it's totally absurd, but the way it's played, you understand why it's moving and what they're saying through the metaphor of ridiculousness. Yeah, and, and it's yeah, it's it's brilliant. It really it really is one of the best scripts. Well, I want I've, to get the script. Yeah, because I can't imagine you were How- talking earlier. I can't imagine the script landing in front of like a Jamie Lee Curtis. And, yeah. I, like I want to read how it reads. I want to see how much that heart translates because you could see actors being turned off by it because it's ridiculous. Well, like yeah. You would you would pitch it and people would laugh and say it's a comedy, right? Well, yeah, it, it is a comedy, but it's I wouldn't describe it as, oh, man, do you like to laugh? Go watch Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm. Um, there are so many other movies that I could recommend as comedies first. Yeah, it has comedy, but – it has, you know, heart, it has action, and it has just an imagination and an execution. Like I was, I got obsessed with reading behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And apparently the special effects were done like f- by five people, including the two directors, and they were just teaching themselves off YouTube videos. And some of the way they do the practical effects, you know, when um, main characters moving through the, the multiverses is that 
one of the directors just walked around with this handy cam and just recorded all of this footage. Yeah. And then they just sped it up, put it in front of a green screen, put it behind her, boom. Um, and it's the editing, some of the editing in that movie is next level. We hope you cannot hear Pat the cat who's currently digging around in a bag. If we've set up the microphones correctly, you mm. won't be able to hear it. No, it won't be audible but, you know, he's just being a orange cat with one brain cell. We've got to get him a microphone maybe. Yeah. What, so, so, he, so that he can rustle a bag during our heartfelt <laughs> points about current cinema. As long as it sounds good, remember our catchphrase, the quality <laughs> of the sound or the quality of the content. <laughs> Look, some of the other things that I thought, you know, we were only saying yesterday that it's quite rare for um, a year, one year to have three, four plus star movies in our opinion. We had, you know, everything every, everywhere all at once, um, The Batman yep. and Prey, which we'll go into a little bit later. And the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yes, that was great. So that, That's a comment. If you want to go see a... Funny movie, go see that. Yeah, that's over awesome. Everything everywhere. If you want comedy. Yeah. And it's not just Nicolas Cage the meme. Like he's genuinely But it has that as well. It does, <laughs> but it's but it's very funny on its own right. But um the one that I think so we've got, you know, and, and then there was like Ghostbusters um oh, last, Afterlife. Year, last year was as that well. Last? Um was it last year? I think it was Man, last time year. Time is still yeah. Um, a vortex. Yeah. Um, but that was great. But I think um, the one that we perhaps um, – because I know that it, it was sort of critically acclaimed from what I remember of reading of reviews after the fact. Um, Those Who Wish Me Dead I thought was an awesome movie uh, carried almost entirely by Angelina Jolie and a, and a kid. So yeah. it was I, – I, I thought that had that similar – unrelenting tension that movies like Un- Uncut Gems did in a, in a very different way. I mean, Those Who Wish Me Dead could, I guess, best be described as a disaster movie and, you know, uh, thriller, I guess, disaster thriller, which is a good combination that is rarely pulled off well. Um, you know, and I think that that didn't get the the attention that it deserved and I think, you know, it came out around the same time as maybe even Ghostbusters, which kind of, you know, uh, maybe killed its momentum a little bit. But um, it had a fairly low budget as well and what they did with it was incredible. So it's it's stuff like that that I love discovering where, you know, obviously there's a A-list draw card name, you know, to get people in, you know, bums on seats and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we all know that that doesn't always result in a movie that goes places, but I think that this, you know, should have some longevity and it's very much worth seeing. Well, I mean, there are more average movies. Like you, you kind of hope, <clears throat> like th- there are so many three-star movies out there for me and that doesn't mean they're bad. Enjoyable, you know, that's better than a two and a, two and a half being average out of five. Um, there are so many more movies that are average or even possibly bad than there are that are good or great. And then there's still good movies that don't really have the staying power for you to be like, oh, you have to go and see it or the ones that sit with you. Yeah. Like that's really the thing, the ones that sit with you. And, and it's been a long time since um, and everything everywhere all at once. What a fucking clusterfuck of a title. Um, yeah. <laughs> has just haunted me. And and I'll- Rumour has it it was the road- 
product naming department that came up <laughs> with. No. It needs some numbers in there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll do that for the sequel, which I hope it never gets. Just such a rare thing to say, right? Like it doesn't need a sequel. Yeah. And so it's this independent movie. The 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 line that got thrown around the most by people who saw it um, was it's the best multiverse movie you'll see all year, <laughs> which is a dig at Marvel, which is fine because it, it is better than uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm. But I quite liked Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because it actually did different stuff yeah. to what Marvel has been really playing it safe in this latest phase. They love saying phase. Uh, phase four has been such a fizzle. Yeah. yeah. We saw Thor, Love and Thunder. Mm. Just, just again, average, like three, three and a half stars. But that's what most Marvel movies have become now. Yeah. And it's only every once in a while that you get like a Captain American Civil War or original Guardians of the Galaxy or I really loved Thor Ragnarok. I thought that Thor Ragnarok did the right thing with a character that was a joke that nobody had really realised should be a joke because there's not much originality in Thor, a character ripped from... Norse mythology. Yeah. Like that's as lazy as it gets with superhero stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then, they, yeah, they, they did him super seriously and Shakespearean in the first one and then they went even darker in the dark world and and then it was like, what do we do with this guy? we kind of got to keep him around. You know, he's one of the Avengers and it's not really easy to kill him off because he's a god. Uh, what do we do? And it's like, well, why don't you lean into the actor's comedic chops and have some fun? Just have some fun and... Uh, go back to the source material with the big, bright, over-the-top colourscape and inject some energy into it, and it worked. Uh, but the follow-up, and it really reminded me, speaking of Guardians, so I, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is still my favourite Marvel movie okay. to date in uh, the MCU. And um, then Guardians 2 was just so average, yeah, look, I, I wouldn't say it was bad, but I, it, it felt like 35, 40 minutes could have been cut out of it and it would have made zero difference to the, you know, how the axe played out and how it ended and it probably would have felt a little tighter and a less, you know, I mean, they were kind of doing character building for Mantis and and stuff like that. But You hate Mantis. I do hate Mantis. I'm Why sorry. Why do you hate Mantis so much? Because she's creepy and boring at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, definitely one of those things. <laughs> um, yeah, it, but uh, that's my criticism of a lot of um, – it does tend to be MCU to be fair, but I, that's, I'm a you know, diehard DC person as well, so I feel like I'm probably not being fair and, you know, the, the Batman was three hours or so and um, – It was long. Yeah, and – I, you know, I didn't come out of the cinema going, that should have been 40 minutes shorter. I was like, that was fucking incredible. I love Batman. Um, so that's exactly how I sound, by the way. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> <laughs> Uncanny. But movies um, can be longer without being boring. Yeah. It, Some of my look, favourite uh, movies, like Braveheart, yeah. Gladiator, they're long, but they're not like looking at the clock. Oh, when is this going to end? Yeah. I mean, well, you know. I know that you have a, you know, you're allergic to super old movies, but Gone with the Wind is um, one of my favourite movies of all time and that's ridiculously long. You know, I remember being a kid and it was always like 
the triple VHS in Civic Video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. The, the old big chap, like the Bible thick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but even then they made the Civil War go longer than it, like the, the Civil War went for like, no, 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 sorry. The character Melanie was pregnant for the length of the Civil War, which was like 13 months in the movie. So, you know, there were edits they could have made that <laughs> would have resulted in a tighter film, at least for the character of Melanie. Um, but, yeah, it's – I just – I feel like there's a lot of gratuitous sort of fan service stuff that they try to do with, with every film and, and let the spotlight shine on, you know, every character doing something, you know, all the time. And it sometimes doesn't result in a movie that's very compelling all the way through. No, there's something to be said for keeping things simple sometimes. Well, and th- these are such big budget films too. It's not like it's a, you know, we did everything we could and, you know, we made a cardboard costume for Captain America out of these cornflakes boxes and we did the best we could with the, what we had. This is hundreds of millions of dollars being poured into into these stories so I get that they want to show off incredible film technology and you know make it this bombastic you know worthy you know comic book worthy spectacle um but when it all amounts to not much it's I just think Jesus I've got to sit through another one just so that I'm not incomplete in my MCU experience, and it's it's a drag now. I'm yeah, sorry. Start cheating, right? Like <laughs> yeah. they've always kept the TV shows separate, and then you go to watch um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and it's basically requisite watching for WandaVision, which WandaVision was good. You should watch WandaVision, but to tell moviegoers that oh, you didn't go and watch WandaVision, so this whole like whole motivation kind of feels a bit flimsy if you don't understand that there was an entire show dedicated to that. Mm, yeah. And that's just – I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair to say, to your point, you have to have watched 20-odd movies plus TV shows and then what's next? You've got to read the comics, mm. read the books. It's all a bit too much. There's nothing wrong with putting things in there that are Easter eggs or fan service or organic fits that will uh, be payoffs for people who have – an affinity with that product, but they they have read everything, they have watched everything, but you can't assume. I mean, even sequels, like it's tricky to just assume that not just that people haven't seen it. You can assume that people have seen the first one, but you kind of got to remind people of stuff, and there's a way to do it. Well, and look, I don't know. This is hypocritical of me, but I'll say the point anyway. Um, we don't have an audience to hate me yet, so whatever. Um, <laughs> but. I think that there's something to be said for um, superhero fatigue oh, with the, the way that, you know, the, the big blockbuster, you know, some, US summer blockbuster things are always completely and utterly dominated by the next instalment of the MCU, you know, to a lesser extent a DC thing that inevitably flops. <laughs> but, you know, I think I thought Shazam was pretty good. Shazam was great. Um and obviously the Batman was epic, you know. So I always keep the faith. Black Adam, you know, sorry, it's 2022, just Adam. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that too. I think that will be really good. But there's, you know, it, it's just every time, it, it's now getting to the point where I have to force myself not to roll my eyes every time. It's like, do you want to go see 
you know, the something man or super this or, you know, it's just like fuck's sake. Like and then The Boys is an amazing, you know, Amazon series that deserves all of the praise, all of the accolades. It is a very antisocial telling of a superhero story as well, which I, you know, I don't want to go off on a tangent on that. Um, and I think that that speaks to a certain cynicism in the air over the superhero franchise that's f- almost forced down our throats in every medium currently. Um, but yeah, I'm just getting a little, I'm getting a little tuckered out on the the whole superhero thing and even parodies of it. Like, unless it's really good, like the boys level sort of thing, I just think, you know, yeah, I get it's funny, I guess, but I'm still seeing some piece of shit in a costume doing something. Like, I just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's, I guess that's why things like everything, everywhere, or all at once breathe life into the cinema we once knew without, I think nostalgia is a mental illness, just quietly, but like, um, it, it there are elements that uh, of the past in terms of the variety of cinema that we were getting ten years ago that we don't seem to be getting now just because MCU is such a money spinner that why would studios you know get off that dick basically <laughs> but <laughs> um, but yeah it, it, look hopefully that's changing for the better because it's it's quite clear that they're running out of steam in some aspects I think when you see things like Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, I'm getting flashbacks to Star Wars, and please don't let me talk about Star Wars for too long. Feel th- uh, feel free to throw something at me, Katie, if I do. But the lack of a plan, right? And that's what the MCU did well, really well, up until Avengers Endgame. Is even the kind of shoddier entries you didn't mind watching because you always felt that they were going to add something to the larger narrative. It was mm. like a kind of shitty season or maybe like a mid-season arc that you tolerated in a show that you loved because you knew that suffering through it, at least if you got the plot points down pat, you'd be like, well, there's going to be a reference to this later that's going to pay off. It's going to be an infinity stone or something. Okay, I'll sit through this Thor Dark World shit and uh, that'll be fine because I will be rewarded later for having knowledge about something. So you put up with it. Yeah. But – they're running out of ideas and phase four doesn't seem to have a plan. It doesn't seem to have an epic Avengers ending even according to their plan. They release new movies and they don't really seem to add much that leads to whatever that big threat's going to be. Like I feel like Thanos was shoehorned a bit into being the threat behind everything in those uh, initial movies but now it's supposed to be Kang apparently, and if you don't know who that is, that's okay Mm. because you had to have watched Loki to get that Kang is being built up to be the new threat. But if they're building him up to be a big new threat in movies, he hasn't really popped up. He hasn't popped up (laughs) yet. Like Thanos was there, you know, meddling behind the scenes from quite early on. And and always mentioned as well. Like Thanos didn't have to appear but – the characters themselves would make mention of that looming threat in the dialogue. Yeah, or so, the Infinity Stones. There was an Infinity Stone and it was like, yeah. oh, okay, this could have just been some standalone MacGuffin, but then that becomes this thing that's leading up to something much bigger, which was unprecedented. I don't think we we hadn't seen anything like it. We hadn't seen crossover movies no. like what the MCU was doing. So they deserve a lot of credit, but they also have become the 
you know, they've become the taxi industry, <laughs> this mainstream complacent thing. And that's why it allows for things like Uber to come along because people are kind of getting a bit gut of it. And it allows DC, when it's firing on all cylinders, to pivot and do things not just like the Batman, which is safe, but to do something like Joker, which is yeah. really not safe, very simple structure-wise, like mm. plot-wise, that movie, incredibly acted, surprisingly incredibly directed. Sorry, Todd Phillips, uh, your comedic chops, the hangover movies, didn't exactly lend themselves to me going, oh, that's going to be great. Mm. Not that comedy directors can't direct drama. You know, Adam McKay, I think, has shown that and others. Uh, but I think when you were talking earlier about the superhero fatigue and everything has to be they always feel like they have to end in some big world-ending threat, yeah. which is a problem. And Shang-Chi, that was the movie, right, mm. that we saw. Um, I really enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting to. I did too. I, again, like kind of like going into Guardians, I'm like, I don't know who this character is. I don't know if I'm going to like it. I hope it's good. I mean, we were watching uh, Kim's Convenience. Mm. So we're watching this like guy. I'm like, him? He's going to be the superhero? Oh, okay. I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty funny, I guess, but mm. I don't really see it. And that movie was awesome and, you know, a bunch of it shot over here apparently. It's like, oh, that's Sydney. Hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was nice, you know, nice little bonus. But that movie right up until the end got – it was doing different stuff and it had built up really quite intimate stakes, um, a tension between a father and his son. Mm. Awesome. And then there's this fight at the end between father and son. Awesome. It's just this really personal stakes and then they're like, mm, giant dragon that's going to take over the world. We've got to kill that now. Yeah. And you're like, well, we, we didn't need that. We actually, you emotionally peaked with when he fought his dad because that's what the whole thrust of the movie was about. And then you went and chickened out and went, no, 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 we've got to put the big, you know, the big spectacle. And it's like you guys are driving this. You don't have to. Yeah, you've got to have action. You've got to have action sequences. But all of them are starting to blur into one. Mm. To, and, and from the last, like even Avengers um, Endgame, that last fight was just Thanos with CG creatures running around getting punched and hammered to death or whatever and you're just like, it's not really that memorable. It's nowhere near as memorable as the first time we saw it in something like Avengers where – it's the first time you've seen this like super epic, actual, this will end the world and it had meaning and it had stakes and now it's just expected. And then how do you escalate that? Yeah. How do you escalate a global threat that <laughs> you've already done the global threat so how do you make that bigger and then you go watch something like, what was it, Eternals? Oh, man, what a mess of a movie. Yeah, and you know, I I really wanted to like it, and I really wanted it to be good. That's and some I, good stuff. It did have some good stuff, and I thought it looked beautiful. I thought they did that ancient, um, the ancient world elements. I thought were spectacular, but and they they had some really great people in it as well. Oh yeah, Angelina Jolie. What? Yeah. How do you get her in an ensemble cast? Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, um, and there was just so much, again, so much potential, but it wastes away to nothing because it's like they go, well, you know, big budget must outdo other things happening 
you know, other superhero movies, other this, other that. And so it, it, it becomes – it loses itself to the spectacle and just becomes a mess. But, and then like to your other point earlier about I was going to say that these movies gaining popularity is a good thing because it's led to things like Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool yeah. would not have happened without the popularity of the superhero genre. Yeah, totally. And, and some, someone leaking it, whoever did that, you're a legend, leaking the trailer um, in a really shit quality that went, oh, we better release the high quality because people like it and then they make a movie out of it. Mm. And then because there's an R-rated for the States, MA in Australia, uh, superhero movie, it goes on to open the door for them to let um, James Mangold and Hugh Jackman make Logan which is like the unforgiven of superhero movies. Yeah. It killed it in many ways because, again, it was simple. It was lean. It was focused. But by allowing it to have a more mature rating, it wasn't just about, oh, okay, he can say fucking shit and maybe we can see some titties or something, which you don't, um, <laughs> and we can see some gore. It just allows the story to be more mature. Yeah. Really. And, and he's a character who has, you know, Claws that are supposed to be able to slice through anything like a lightsaber, basically. Mm. Uh, so being able to see the brutality of that, and also the effect on him and the relationship he has with, you know, Professor X, was it was an incredibly moving and beautiful story that would not have happened without Deadpool. That would not have happened without superhero saturation. And to your, going back to what you were saying earlier, the boys, the this the boys has to be told now. Yeah, we couldn't have had the boys ten years ago. I mean, we could have. But it would not have been the same. It would not have been people going, I'm kind of sick of superhero stuff and them taking the piss out of that and taking a more adult approach to it with more mm. mature stories. And leaning into the cynicism Yeah, look the at superhero as the be-all, end-all. Yeah. And the, they're blurring that by going these superheroes have fake personas because they're you don't know who they really are and they've got celebrity faces which like goes into the whole celebrities behind these superheroes and the controversies and about how we're obsessed with them and we put them on pedestals. It's the perfect time for the boys to happen. But then because the boys happens and you get a character like Homelander who's incredible, that then allows, in my opinion, something like Invincible to happen, mm. which if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, the first episode, I saw people raving about it and we watched it and it's not until the final scene of the first episode that it all drops and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, i got to keep watching. And then it's amazing from then on out. And the, the Homelander and some of the stuff that happens in that show are very similar, but then you go to Eternals and I'm not deliberately trying to spoil stuff, but... Maybe tune out for the next 30 seconds if you don't want to have... Spoiler, 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 spoiler. But they've got a Superman-like character in Eternals who goes bad. Mm. Um, and, and you're like, if you are not doing it to the caliber of the boys, if you're not doing it to the caliber of Invincible... And by the way, Invincible shouldn't be work. Like Invincible should be teased for being derivative of... Uh, the boys of Homelander. But it just shows that we have a lot of space to see Superman either on a bad day or see Superman who's actually a bad guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and those stories don't happen without saturation, but that still doesn't forgive the saturation. And they're not going to change the formulas until they start losing money. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And but it'll <laughs> but I think due to the the coffers being so filled when it works, it, I don't know when that 
you know, when, when they're going to put a stop on that to say, okay, enough's enough. We've milled this poor ass cow for all it's worth. But yeah. And it's bigger than that, unfortunately. It know, is bigger than that. With COVID, yeah. um, cinemas were very worried about dying, certain chains shut down. Yeah. And so now they want safety. They want sure things. And they know Marvel movies, Star Wars, big DC, even Top Gun Maverick most recently, anything that is that lends itself to, oh, you've got to see that at the movies, whether that's because you have to see it as soon as it comes out because it might be spoiled or whether you go and see it because you need to see it on a big screen. The cinemas need those bread and butter movies to put bums on seats to sell their candy at ridiculously stupid prices yeah. so they can keep the doors open. And it sucks because it lends, like it leads to them, uh, studios then going, well... The theatres want more bums on seats, so to put more bums on seats, we just go and copy whatever else everyone else has done and we'll get away with it because people will go watch a shitty movie and we'll still make a profit as long as it's got some big action sequence at the end. It doesn't matter how bad it is. Mm. Instead of them going the other way and going, these things make money. This is an opportunity for us to really tell better stories, have better characters, and we can still have the – you've got to hit the certain beats and certain amount of action sequences – but you can do them in different ways and that's why movies like John Wick, the John Wick series comes along and they just do action in a much uh, more gritty and realistic way that's not about quick cuts and fast action. It's about keep the camera mid-range for as long as possible. Let's really show the, the choreography and the amount of effort and work that goes into the training. Mm. Let's make these people look fast. Let's make them look brutal instead of using cheap editing tricks to do that. And now it's really hard to go and watch action movies that do not subscribe to the John Wick school of thought of this is how you should shoot action. It's yeah. why I never liked the Bourne movies. Now, the Bourne movies, apart from the fact that they're all the same plot over and over again... <laughs> Uh, which is bad. The, the I like the thriller aspect. I thought Matt Damon was awesome and really well cast. I love the way they played the character. But then every time there's a fight scene, I felt sorry for him and whoever he was fighting because I'm like, they may as well have not done choreography because they could have cut between him throwing punch, moving at each other, and they were cutting so fast that it was impossible for your eyes to track what's going on. Mm. And they're doing that to make it look intense and put you in a POV of being in a fight or whatever. But it actually, I find it annoying and it detracts. And they did the same thing in the first Aliens versus Predator movie, but I think that was to try to keep classification ratings lower. We'll show these fights and they'll be look brutal and we'll make lots of noise and we'll move the camera lots and you can't really see what's happening, therefore we can't get a higher rating. Yeah. Which I guess worked. Um, I mean, there's no universe where... Any movie with Alien or Predator in the title should be anything below an MA uh, rating in Australia or R in the States. Yeah. Because that's not how you make those movies. No, no. And it – I mean, we want to talk fan service for, for these things. Um, I guess that's one of the, the elements that was attractive in the first place and people, you know – want to see this gritty, gory action movie that's, you know, the, the cult classic that they love and, you know, talk about when, you know, aliens' heads explode or things get chopped to bits or spurt blood or, you know, it's it, it, it's part of the 
um, like the zeitgeist of those <laughs> types of movies, like, and and the, I guess the homage to the. 80s action flick where, you know, it was a certain formula for a reason and that's what kept people coming back and it's what people are nostalgic for today. Um, well, 1979 for Alien, but let's just say 80s and, yeah. Well, 87 for Predator? 87 for Predator, yeah. Great year, that. Uh, yeah, but, like, the problem is that the universe has been built around this idea of um, brutality and the, the brutality yeah. is part of the horror original alien. I don't think you could make as a PG movie because you need that scene where it bursts out of that dude's chest when they're eating. Yeah. And you can't do that in a polite way. You need to see it in all of its disgusting gore Yeah, because that's fucking horrific. Well, and the the brilliant thing about Alien, especially the the director's cut, which I encourage, like they it does the rounds at cinemas, at, like when they do the classic film screenings and stuff like that. I very much encourage people to go see Alien and Aliens, um, and Predator when they come to a big screen near them, uh, because the thing that I think is so well done in Alien in particular is you have these horrific events that happen where, you know, stuff bursts out of, you know, people's chests and there's blood and then, you know, aliens get squished and there's just goo everywhere and all these awful things and there's obviously a very real threat there. But as people die and the isolation is becomes more apparent, um, the fear becomes in what you can't see. Yeah. And that is a tonal shift that is so hard to get right in writing, in TV, in movies, in comics. Like if you do it wrong, it's people go, oh, well, it was like two separate fucking movies. Like what the fuck? But the the way that that – that's exactly how they all sound. Yeah. yeah. All of you sound like that. <laughs> what did you do with me, fucking super gory movie, you piece of shit? Um, instead of that, like it just tapered off from this, you know uh, – gore fest with very obvious violent threats to the true horror that that it is where it's the shadows it's the noises it's the unknown that strike fear and and to think that it's like it becomes like spoilers if you haven't seen a movie from fucking 40 years ago spoilers, but spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. yeah but it becomes one person all alone with something much bigger, stronger and scarier than them and they're trapped in a spaceship in the middle of space. Like that is – that's terrible. That's terrifying. Yeah, it really is um, – And they've watched everybody before them die. Yeah. It is, a, it is the haunted house story uh, which, is, which can always be done well if it's done well, just reimagined with a sci-fi filter because the idea that you just cannot step outside – you know, when you watch, what was that? Those low-budget movies, Paranormal Activity, fucking shit movie. Um, yeah, I wasn't a fan. Amazing for what they did with the budget, but, yeah, like not a great movie. Uh, and, and they never really properly address why they don't just leave, you know. Mm. So but when you set something in space, when you set a game like Bioshock underwater, yeah. the idea of 
Man, I just bail. Where? You can't. Yeah. You are stuck with the problem. You have to deal with it. It doesn't matter how terrified you are, yeah. how overwhelmed you are, how under-equipped you are. You, you either you, you perish or you deal with it. Or you deal with it. Exactly. So those stories are great. And, you know, nowadays when they make horror movies, you've got to deal with the whole mobile phone or oh, there's no signal or the battery's dead or whatever or the cars that, you know, back in the day, uh, my understanding is older cars wouldn't necessarily start too easily. So the old engine thing nowadays, it's like, well, that doesn't happen. Mm. Like short of leaving your lights on, cars just start, <laughs> you know, unless the battery's dead from something you did wrong, um, your car's going to start. Yeah. So the, all of the old cliches that forces people to do better with it. But if you set your story somewhere where it's not super easy and going to predator it's like well just run away they're like where this this thing is hunting them and it is faster it is better equipped um and it's picking them off one by one and they're not in a friendly place no they're actually surrounded by other enemies so they can't easily just deal with this problem and the cool like because we did i mean we get we're getting up to the main part of what we're going to talk about today, but we were over at a friend's place yesterday with a bunch of friends and we did Predator Day. Mm. So we watched Prey and then Predator and then Predator 2, Predators and then The Predator. <laughs> hey, I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Um, but I've obviously seen the original Predator, I don't know, dozens, scores of times. Mm. I've lost track. I can pre-quote the fuck out of it. Yeah, I think it would be a dozen times for me probably. Yeah. So I wouldn't say more than that, but that's still a lot for one film. And how was it, re-watching it again? It holds up. Like it's still an exciting, great movie that I enjoy watching. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's like similar to uh, like Demolition Man and, and movies like that. Like I still really love watching them and I know that they're not for everybody and that, they do have parts of them that feel quite dated, especially when people start throwing around the F word and stuff like that. That's not fuck. No, uh, <laughs> no. The one that ends in OT, just to, just to. In case you slack jawed. Yeah. That's what she's referring to. Um, where that, that that's quite jarring, and you just think, oh wow, gee, that. <laughs> and the room just goes. Ugh. Yeah, like, and you're just like, oh yeah, like, but I guess it's a good way of making characters out to be total bozos. So maybe maybe that is a bit future-proofed that we didn't, um, you know, and that was Jesse Ventura's character, by the yeah. way. But, um, yeah, look, it holds up and it, it it's rare these days to get pure action that is what it says on the tin, you know, where you just go in and it's just going to be a bunch of people a looming threat and a film that dials up the suspense, violence and, you know, th those pure action moments until the threat has dissipated. Yeah. Sometimes that's all I want to watch. I just, you know, I want to eat popcorn and watch that and go, fuck yeah. But like Alien, it was really interesting you were saying that because I was thinking about Predator as well in the same light of the, the violence. They... I feel like in Predator particularly they take more of a Jaws approach to the actual threat in that you really don't get to see it. And I've mentioned in an earlier podcast, something I actually remember mentioning in an earlier podcast, that Predator would be so much better if you cut that initial 
unnecessary scene with the spaceships. Yeah. Um, because they really do, much like Terminator 2, and I was too young to know any better, but my understanding is that for anyone who's older, for our older listeners um, who were, remember and being excited about Terminator 2 and going to see it at the movies, uh, that the trailers gave away the big reveal that it, that Arnie is a good Terminator. Yeah. Right? Um, because if you watch the movie, you know, ignorant to that or if you somehow watched it without having watched the trailers or being told anything about it, it plays out that that is revealed way later. And, I mean, they go so far out of their way to do that by making the bad one a cop. Yeah. Like, and he, you don't get to really see him kill people or you don't know you don't know what's going on there and you don't know which one is good or bad and and the first time John Connor sees Arnie it's like if you weren't aware it's like oh shit like this this could be it yeah he's walking at him with the flowers and he pulls the shotgun out like this is how's this kid going to get out of oh shit like what an amazing reveal and i feel so sorry for James Cameron and any <laughs> other filmmaker who when they structure it, and you know, as as a wannabe screenwriter myself, when you when you're writing things with reveals, and you just, it's hard to not think about, you know, when you're fantasizing about your your Oscar acceptance speech. But the other time, I fantasize about, oh man, they're gonna fuck up this reveal, aren't they? They're gonna put it in a trailer. They're gonna lead with it. You know, it'd be like watching The Sixth Sense, and <laughs> the trailer's like. He's a dead child psychologist. You know, like. <laughs> And, I mean, that's different because that's a twist movie, which I see as different to movies that just have reveals where there are revelations. Yeah. You know, but for Predator, uh, it's not really until you get to the point where they've just cleared the camp of the gorillas and this POV thing steps into a base and picks up a scorpion, a dead scorpion, and you see that it has a giant hand with massive nails that you – would reasonably think that it's an alien outside of that opening stupid sequence because they keep talking about Russians and Russian special forces. Yeah. And I don't know, this is probably me putting a um, a modern lens or interpretation on a movie that they may not have intended at the time, although I'm convinced they were partially wanting it. I am convinced that the reason they wanted Arnie and all this stuff is they wanted to lean so hard into the misdirect. They wanted it to be, even to the point of the fucking homophobia, they wanted it to be a group of all men, you know, this, these are men, these are the biggest, toughest men ever. And they go in and they clean up that base. They don't lose anyone. Yeah. They just clean up like it's, you know, taking out the, taking out the trash. Yeah. That is a Tuesday for them. Even though they're a rescue team, they seem pretty good at the other stuff too. Yeah. So they go in and they clean house. And so you're watching, fuck yeah, we're just watching an Arnie action movie. And now they've got to get out. Oh, and they're surrounded. They've got to get to the chopper. So I guess there's going to be more action where they're fighting more gorillas. And not, they're being hunted. And they, these guys who are tooled up and beyond competent, who a group of, you know, a handful of them takes out an entire base armed to the teeth. Yeah. They wipe them off the face of the earth and they get taken out. So that the whole idea of the subversion of it's being set up to be this hurrah, let's just watch Arnie in Commando or something like that, you know, like yeah. where he just, the body count is incredible and it just turns into this, no, 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 no. We were showing the audience how good and and even like, you know, when they're shooting at the, 
the big firefight sequence, which I love where Blaine's just died and Mac loses his mind and he empties the minigun and they all just turn up and start shooting. And it just goes to show how out of touch they are, yeah. that their approach of just going in and hosing and shooting bullets down range yeah, and expecting to, to win. To the point where the shrubbery and trees are completely destroyed around them for <laughs> how much artillery has gone through. Yeah. Yeah. And they basically just scratch it. They just scratch it. Um, I love that. And then I love going back to the point of, you know, not seeing every bit of gore. Like you see skinned bodies. Yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck. Um, that's fucked. And then you see Hawkins hanging from a tree and you're like, okay, this is getting a bit weird. Don't know what's going on here. Um, but they, they selectively have moments of ultraviolence. Yeah. Some dude's spine getting torn out with his skull and and then but then they don't show like Billy die. But there's no. I don't think there's anyone in the universe who's like, We didn't see Billy die. Mm. They're setting him up for Predator too, you know, like No. He screamed. And watching that movie where you just see the fucking fear in these giant men's eyes and the screams and the terror. Amazing. Yeah. It's just like, and again, uh, probably a modern lens, but I find it so subversive. Like they've set you up to be like, this is just this macho bullshit. And it's really only, um, what's the line? You really think this fucking Boy Scout bullshit's going to work. Yeah. And it's literally going back to Boy Scout bullshit, underarmed, underequipped, uh, outsmarting because he can't. Arnie can't outstrength the Predator. So he has to outsmart. He literally it. got picked up by the throat and, yeah. and dangled off the yeah. ground. So he's completely <laughs> and he doesn't even have backup. And he doesn't even have guns. So it's it's genius. And I think yeah. it's still my favorite, you know, movie in the in the Predator franchise. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Prey though? Look, I thought it was awesome and it it's been a it's been a minute since there's been a, a Predator film that I think is true to the core set up by the first one uh, that pulls it off without a really poor effort in how it's paced and the editing and, you know, the, the, the just to, as a side thing, like the Predator was severely hampered by a really dreadful script that tried really hard to be clever and it tried really hard to be, you know, 80s cool action hero with all the quips and there was, you know, several characters trying to out-funny and out-comedy each other yeah. and it felt like a parody of yeah. Predator, not a part of the franchise. Get to the chopper? Yeah. And the choppers are motorbikes. Yeah, like just get fucked. So honestly. like not even just like, like not even a callback, which people love callbacks. Yeah. But like no no no, we're making a joke out of the callback. Yeah. And and look Ugh. before this all went down, there was endless complaints about a predator film having a female <laughs> yeah. lead actress. Um and just to put it out there, look, I really I'm just so tired by the whole get woke, go broke trope an argument and all the shit i just want to get on with my life and just everybody get fucked basically like it's 
it is such a tiresome thing to have to go through. You know, as a Star Wars fan, I just I'm so tired of this being brought up as like women are the end of the franchise and it was never meant to be a story about women. Like just Princess Leia motherfucker. But just shove it up your ass. I don't care about your opinion. Don't watch it if you hate it. Yeah. It's not good or bad because of you know, this seemingly woman threat and, you know. It's bad writing. Yes. It's, and that's like, universal and to male characters. Yeah, unfortunately. Characters. Bad writing is bad writing. Yeah. And, look, Kennedy did us no favours. but Just have a plan. Just that's have a I fucking ask. plan. Like, I'm not saying it is automatically good because a vagina was involved. Like, that's how I sound, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Uncanny again. <laughs> a vagina. <laughs> You know, That's the name like, of the episode. Yeah, yeah, vagina. A vagina is involved. No, but, <laughs> no, but it's just so tiresome. Yeah. You know, things. And that's before the movies come out. Yeah, I don't care oh, about. It's got a lady, therefore it has to suck. It's like, can you watch it? Yeah, and, and you if at you. At least don't... watch it and then you... say it sucks. And, and then construct an argument atop your weird, clearly sexism because you're going in with. That yeah, like, they haven't, they haven't, they're not remaking Predator, and they've recast Arnold Schwarzenegger's role as a woman. Yeah, you know, so you can't automatically just get upset. You go in and you watch it, and then you go, it sucks or it doesn't suck, and it's not because it's a lady. Because to my point earlier about the original Predator movie goes out of its way to show you that if anybody on the planet is equipped to take down a predator. It is this group and with all of them removed, it's Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger. That's why they cast him. If they made it today, it would be the fucking rock. Yeah. Right? And hopefully it would still play out the same way. Yeah. And we're so used to seeing the rock make jokes about flexing and being big and not immovable and all this stuff and we're going to see more of that in Adam. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, it's 2022. But – they go out of their way to show you cannot beat it with strength. You can only beat it with smarts and superior know-how. So the way that Arnie beats it is he's in unfamiliar territory, but he finds a spot that he makes familiar, that he makes into a killing ground, and then he starts the fight there and he leads the fight back there at the end. Yeah. And now you're in the territory of a lady who knows this fucking place top to bottom Yeah. and also – wants to be a hunter so she's training to be it mm. um and by the way she's not fucking very good at it initially well which no. i liked yeah they don't have that Car captain marvel syndrome captain marvel it's like they're, just, Ray. they're just perfect yeah. yeah the whole way through and you're like no no she actually takes her fucking stripes and she she fails and she's beaten and bested and yeah. she's overconfident and under equipped at times but she learns from it yeah and like honestly there are built-up male characters in it that are not just supporters on the girl power journey. I mean, it's it's an ensemble cast. It's not just lone woman defeats everything and is made to be far stronger than she ever could be. That's not what it's about. That's not what any of the Predator films are about. This is no exception. So just shut the fuck up. If you don't like it, 
that's fine. But just shut the fuck up. Yeah, look, like, if you don't like it for that reason, just say I'm a giant sexist and I'm never going to yeah. like a woman uh, in a movie, <laughs> an action movie. And that's fine. Like, I mean, go yeah. fuck yourself. But that's fine. Like, yeah. at least be honest about it and don't try to justify. Yeah. Because. It, like, just, I don't, like, if you don't like it, fine. If you don't, if you hate that it's a woman front and centre for some of it or, for, you know, for, for a lot of it, but, you know, and you really loved the original Predator because it was all dudes saying the F word that ends in OT. Sick as, bro. Go watch that one and hate Prey for whatever reason. But the reason that you hate it is just a really ridiculous, like, non-thing in the world. Like, there's just this, like, oh, you know, well, it's an agenda. It's all an agenda to make everybody woke and, oh, the, you know, and then and then inevitably, like, the really cooked cunts will be like, and it's the Rothschilds and the Jews and... Clint- the, Clinton? Yeah. Sons and the and New World Order that's making us have a Native American story with a woman as predator. Like, it's, yeah, let's just cool your fucking jets. Like, there is so much in there for everybody if you just open your eyes... And you don't have to love it. You don't have to like it. You can give it one out of ten if you want. But the reason that you feel that way shouldn't be because yes. <laughs> because I mean I don't know. Look, I'm, of the I'm just so tired of the whole thing. You know. Agreed. But uh, look, there has been some, in my opinion, there have been some instances where there are things where it feels like a studio is just trying to attach itself to a cause or a movement. Oh yeah, yeah. And, no, and that's again. Fair. That's bad writing. That amounts to them, if they're putting that pressure on, the end result is what you would call bad writing because it doesn't fit. I'm of the opinion that you should have a reason behind basically anything major in your stories uh, when it comes to character, right? So you have um, Comanche, right? She's Comanche? Yeah. A Comanche woman. Okay, cool. Comanche woman. It's set in 1719 and then you're immediately like, oh, okay, so she's probably, I'm sorry, I don't know a lot about Comanche stuff so please don't come at me but I'm going to assume at that time that women probably aren't treated particularly well generally in the world that they're seen as they have certain roles that aren't to do with hunting and the like and they start out by going, she wants to do that. And people are going, you shouldn't want to do that. You've got so many other skills. And she's like, but I I don't want it. She's got a fucking chip on her shoulder. She's actually got a really good character defect. Yes, she wants to prove herself, but she kind of wants to do it for the wrong fucking reasons. And she makes bad decisions for that. Well, and she gets other people in trouble as well. She gets other people in trouble, yeah. And and that's not good. And And there are consequences. Yeah. So, So it's like they've thought about it and then they've thought, well, these people know the land um, and she's a really, they set her up as a really good tracker and you're like, well, that's really important. They actually start to, I like it when Predator movies treat the Predators as characters as well. Mm. And this one is, I think, um, the shorthand term that people are using, whether it's from the script or the filmmakers or not, is feral Predator. So in the first movie you've got Jungle Predator and the second one you've got City Predator. Mm. That's really fucking generic. And this mm. one you got feral predator, and I'm like, well, that that fits. Like this thing is a brute. Yeah. This thing acts like it doesn't talk. <laughs> Thank God. Oh my God, the predator. And so it doesn't talk, <laughs> um, but its actions show intent, and it is 
rough around the edges. Like you can theorize, you can say this is the first time it has been there. You, it, maybe it's the first time that the predators have been to Earth. Um, whatever it is, this fucking predator, it looks different, it acts different. It seems to relish in brutalizing rather than just cleanly hunting things. It does do a little bit of appraising when they're in groups and then occasionally it will take the take an isolated person out. But other times it flexes. It gets shot a lot. Like it takes a lot of damage. It takes things head on. Yeah. It is not a typical predator that we're used to seeing and it seems like they're trying to take little bits of the mythology that work from other movies like Predators with the idea – one of the cooler ideas from predators uh, is that they learn. So mm-hmm. whenever a predator dies, which according to Lawrence Fishburne, who's a bit of a meme in that movie, um, they learn. So it's not like they want to die, but when they die, they're like, okay, cool, we died this way. So they come back with different An adaptation skills. adaptation to it. Yeah. Different weapons. Yeah. So they adapt. So that's their whole thing. Um, and even you get to see bits of that in Predator, like they they adapt the when they do the Predator as a character, it grows and it changes, and sometimes it does things in anger or whatever. And but this feral Predator just seems to want to kill mm. and butcher. And I think what they set up, and they set it up really subtly um, in this sequence, which reminded me a lot of Star Wars Episode One, where all like the the fish eats another fish, and then the bigger fish, and there's always a bigger fish. Thank you, Liam Neeson. We need that soundbite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a scene where like this little ant or something is on the invisible predator and then this little marsupial creature eats the ant and then a snake eats the marsupial creature and then the predator kills the snake. Yeah. So it's like, okay, the, yeah. he's appraising. They're demonstrating the chain. Yeah. He yeah. wants to hunt top of the food chain and he doesn't know that that's humans yet. Yeah. So that's why, you know, um, it kills the bear and stuff like that as well. Um, and it with, with a stone cold stunner. Oh my god! It just like drenches itself in blood. Um, <laughs> incredibly horrific. And she runs away, which she should. Because uh, yeah. what else are you going to do? But it doesn't kill people when they're unarmed. And normally that seems um, honourable with a predator. In this instance, it seems disrespectful. So what you get. Tying it back to... It wants to play with its food. Not just play with its food, but she's getting... I don't think it's gendered from the predator, but the same sort of casual societal disrespect that she's getting for you can't do this because you're no threat you can't to control. Me. Yeah, you're no threat to me. The predator's like, well, you're no threat. And so she's being treated the same. And so the chip on her shoulder helps her to go, no, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Obviously, they're... I'm not going to spoil it because I'm, you know, people haven't seen it yet. But there are some other stakes that are added on top of that, yeah. which really works. It's not an overly complex movie, but it's like a tidy ninety, you know, an hour thirty-eight, I think, with mm. credits. Um, it gets through it, you know, it gets through stuff. It's, I think, some of the other people we watched it with were like four and a half out of five stars. I was sort of four, four out of five. I think you were the same. Yeah, I was four out of five. That's not a disrespectful score at all. I mean, the problem that Predator, uh, sorry, Prey has is that it is. <clears throat> basically predator, right? Like it is trying to, we want to go back to our roots. So it's really feels familiar. It's just. Well, it, it's, it, it's like a, a reboot of predator, but as an origin story, like. That doesn't have to mean that the others didn't happen and it's still connected. And yeah. There is a, you know, a pretty big nerdy way that it is all um, connected for predator series fans. But 
<clears throat> so it's not discounting any of that, but it is really the formula of the first one, just made. You take the last bit of the first Predator movie where he's underarmed and needs to rely on Boy Scout shit and that's this movie. Hmm. And that's not a diss, it just means that it's like, well, okay, um, it can't possibly have the impact that the first movie had because the first movie has the misdirection and the subversion yeah. and stuff like that, um, but it's still great. Yeah. And if you're a Predator fan, you should absolutely watch it because it's awesome and it's an awesome action movie. Yeah, and, like, it's not like Force Awakens level retelling no. of where it all began. does enough and, new stuff. And, you know, just pays homage to everything fans loved. Like, it, there are a couple of elements like that, I would say. But it, it is an entirely new story. The formula is there that we're used to in all of the Predator films that are done to varying degrees of success. Um, but it... It stands up as a, in, in its own right and I'm uh, – I was really interested in a, a very small window um, to, to look in at, at, you know, Indigenous American culture and, I mean, after being fed <laughs> like horrific – 50s, 60s, 70s westerns <laughs> where the, you know, uh, often the Native Americans were played by – white people in fake tan with wigs with wigs yeah. it's you know it's about time that i mean apocalypto was awesome as well but you know there's not that many um stories that are, that integrate indigenous law in in a way that's uh, respectful and compelling for for a modern audience, I don't think, and essential to the story that they're telling. Yeah, and and you can go deeper on like if you can get past the gender stuff, which I'm sure most of you can. Um, there's the idea of the, a native people in a land who are having to deal with technologically more advanced foreign invaders. <laughs> that's that's the Native American plight. It's many indigenous peoples' plight. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's an extra level of that. But, like, you don't need to go into it from a university uh, essay analytical level. You can enjoy it as a pulpy action movie. Yeah, but look, it's, ju it's just a good 90 minutes of action. Good good characters, good dialogue, good acting, and a character that actually has an arc. Yeah. And for those of you who get upset about, you know, who I think rightly get upset about the, the Captain Marvels and the Rays of this world yeah. who don't seem to have any adversity or don't need to learn lessons, who seem to be fully formed and it's just the, the challenge then as you make more movies as well, specifically for Ray, Captain Marvel 2, is how do you escalate that? Like if they never felt, if it never seemed like they were truly threatened initially, how are they going to be threatened later? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> this is a, a, a proper three-dimensional character mm -hmm. because she has ambition but she has flaws. She wants to do something but she's not amazing at it. Even though she's, for instance, really good at, you know, uh, accurately throwing a, a tomahawk initially when it comes to practically trying to take down animals with it, she's terrible mm. with it initially and she learns but she also observes and she listens and it comes down to, again, Arnie beats the predator through smarts. He outsmarts the predator. No. This, he doesn't just walk up and rip it in half because yeah. he can't. Yeah. Yeah. This lady beats the predator through smarts. Yeah. Anyways. You uh, know, and, and you're right. Um, I, 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 I misspoke before. There, there are absolutely studios that are trying to capitalise on, on a perceived diversity movement. 
Um, I just reject the idea that this is a new thing. Um, I think for the last 20 years uh, there are, you know, people who have tried to make TV and movies a little more diverse and that's largely gone unnoticed until it was made a political thing. Yeah. Um, and there absolutely are studios that are looking to cash in on that and it hasn't always been successful. And nobody likes stuff shoved down their throat, but it's not an excuse to just be, you know, outright sexist yeah. with stuff. You know? Or so to dis- discount it. To discount- it must be shit because I have perceived that it is agenda cheeses, yeah. the agenda, um, yeah. rather than it, yeah, like fucking give it a chance. And again, I'm talking some of the logic that I was explaining to you how I thought it through came from the announcement that or the leaks that it yeah. was a, a Native American woman fighting um, a predator. And I'm like, okay. So I imagine um, she's probably wanting to do stuff that her tribe doesn't want her to do uh, and she's under-equipped but she knows the land really well. Yeah. Um, and that sounds like an interesting setup that harkens back to the original. And then the trailer comes out and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah and add a little bit more than that. Oh, that looks pretty cool and interesting. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, and, and look, I'll, um, I'll add that I don't think that she's a super likeable main character. No. Um, I think she's... You know, she gets a, the rough end of the deal in some ways and, you know, uh, culturally it appears that she's not thought much of as a as a hunter but they've got reason to fear <laughs> her um, involvement in hunting and, they were, and it came true because she wasn't very good at it and actively made it more dangerous for other people. So, you know, though it's weird because some of the criticisms that people have before they've even seen it are being addressed. They're like, oh, you know, she's just going to be this epic, what you're saying that this small, you know, young woman can just take down a predator and it's like, watch it. No. And she doesn't ever go, (laughs) she doesn't do any of those tacky lines like, I'm a woman, I can do anything. Like, No, no, no. Which are really hard to execute well under any circumstance when... It's yeah. Given the political climate around gender identity at the moment, um, so but like you know, she does get some shit for being um, a chick, but it's not the core thrust. Well, it's of not the movie. And the reason I gave it four stars, I mean, I was entertained the whole time. I thought it was a very welcome breath of fresh air into the franchise, where it wasn't just. A, a virtually unwatchable studio vomit from Shane Black. Oh I'm sorry. God. You know, my only – the only reason that I think I can come up with as to how that was so bad is that he died very early on in the first one and clearly didn't see the rest of it so wasn't sure how to put a Predator film together. <laughs> um, no, but it, like I gave it four stars and it was visually stunning. The cinematography is amazing. It's Terrence Malick-like. yeah. Without the boredom, uh, sorry, Terence. <laughs> the soundtrack, I think, is one of the more unique parts of it, while still remain, remaining true to you know the established tropes of the series. Um, but it's for me, it's not four and a half. It's not five, because apart from the new setting and 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 sort of looking at a, at a reimagining origin story, it doesn't do anything new. No. 
And it so doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. It is no. a better version, what you were saying earlier, uh, I think it's a better version of The Force Awakens where The Force Awakens was a $250 million fan film proof of concept to say, hey, fans, we get what makes a good Star Wars movie in light of the fact that the last three you had were fucking pretty average. That's the prequels. And no, don't take a revisionist fucking view. Like if you always love the prequels, that's fine. You're weird unless you're young. That's also fine. But if you're one of those people that went and saw the Star Wars sequels and then went back and went, yeah, man, it really makes me think that the prequels were genius. No, they were bad. They still are bad. They're still clunky and fucked. There's still some great stuff about them. There's still some George Lucas Star Wars magic filtered through all of them. All of them. And The Phantom Menace is the worst in my opinion. And They incrementally got slightly better. But um, Prey is dealing with a similar situation. It is saying we are getting into that awkward place where if you count the Alien versus Predator movies, which you shouldn't, fuck you, Joby, um, (laughs) then you're starting to get into that stage where the balances are tipping in there being more bad Predator movies than good. Mm. Um, And certainly the Predator, which is what we're going to be talking about as our movie, um, is... Just such a fucking piece of shit mm. that it did so much damage to Predator. And and if you look at the landscape outside of that, this is 20th Century Fox at its like dying. This is not long before it's getting bought by Disney. Yeah. That means Disney likely didn't buy 20th Century Fox for its R-rated stuff, its more mature content, although it has that, you know, it has Alien and it has Predator now and other things, it bought it to get fucking X-Men back because, what we were talking about earlier, the MCU is kind of shitty again um, and the new stuff they're introducing isn't great. So you know what will save that? If they can bring in fucking X-Men who could have its own cinematic universe and they bring that into the MCU, they can have so many quality stories hopefully coming out of that fantastic four i've never really given a shit about but it doesn't change the fact that it's it's a household name so they're they're getting back some big properties that they can do a lot with and they've mcu for some reason was like or marvel said oh we're not going to do anything with them until at least phase five which is whenever that comes around the next couple of years yeah but that will help to write the ship if they can't make money out of the shitty stuff which maybe that they are or they're not if they start Losing money, they have X-Men in their back pocket. Yeah. So it could have, the Predator could have killed Predator. They could have gone, well, Predator 2 didn't really make a whole, I mean, it turned a profit and then Predator's same thing and it didn't turn a profit, it didn't really set the world on fire. Uh, And then the Predator came along and fucked it. And they put a lot of money into the Predator. I mean, at least one of the Predators in that movie is complete CG. Yeah, yeah, The entire fucking time. And that's not cheap. And then they have CG Predator dogs, which should be in there for one sequence, but then they decide that one of the partially lobotomized Predator dogs should become a character that comes back and you're like... That's not necessarily a bad idea, it is, but if it's going to cost hundreds of thousands or millions, I don't know how much it costs to do a predator dog, um, for every <laughs> time you see it, is it worth including? Yeah. No. So 
The Predator. So we watched Prey, which was great. Predator, which was amazing. Predator 2, which is, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah? Mm, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I think you got to kind of suspend your disbelief more and you got to lead into the cheesy action, you know, 90s stuff cusp movie because it was released in 90, which means it was made in 89 um, and it's supposed to be set in 97 and their idea of the future is that everyone has a laser sight on their gun and an ex, like and, and they're all scope. in chrome or yeah. chrome weapons. Everyone wears a hat. I love that one of the things that they took from the original movie that was essential was it's not just drawn to conflict, it's drawn to heat, which is fine. But let's remember that that's a theory, right? Mm. That it's drawn to those two things. Um, so they're like, it's got to be LA, it's got to be a heat wave. So in every scene, everyone's just drenched in sweat. And it just looks uncomfortable. Um, they could have made it hot without making it like, you know, and Danny like Glover's it, like, oh, it's so damn hot, you know, like all the time. But, it, but, it, but it's like they're all acting in a, in a perpetual sauna. Like yeah. sweat is literally raining off Even in air-conditioned yeah. offices, like- you know. <laughs> Um, but they like it's it's fine if that's a setting. But they constantly mention they just feel like it's constantly being reiterated how hot it is. It's yeah, like, like like people would be going, "Why is the predator here? Oh, because it's so damn hot." Um, oh my god. <laughs> anyway, so that's it. Uh, predators. I think is better than. But it shouldn't have been two. set in like Arizona or somewhere. Like if that, if that was the case, yes. like California's hot too. But like- is there conflict in? Oh, anyways, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think you have like Predator. I think you don't really need any disclaimers or that many disclaimers for any. Um, it still holds up. Whereas yeah. Predator 2, uh, I mean, if you didn't grow up with it, you're kind of going to need some disclaimers to get people on board with getting into the vibe of that movie. It's a good action movie. Um, the way that they evolve the Predator in terms of its weaponry and stuff in particular is interesting. It's good that they kind of lean into a little bit of people being in the know about Predator. I don't think there's anything worse than movies that are about, I don't know what I'm up against, and they constantly just repeat that fucking thing, mm-hmm. which, again, Prey suffers from as well. Yeah. Um, but, again, they present it in such a good way. But because the audience is so many movies in that you're like, can't, we, can't just someone know about these fucking things? So they, they do have a subplot involving that, which is cool, and the way that that plays out is really interesting and, and again, shows that the Predator learns and it's, it is a clever being. It's not just something that me go hunt and kill, you know, like it's not a dumb brute creature, yeah, yeah. Um, which is great. And in Predators, I think it's better than two, uh, not as good as Prey, not as good as the original Predator, but – Again, it is trying to recreate the feeling of that first movie um, and it adds some interesting stuff, you know, warring predator factions. Yeah. Which is quite interesting. Um, and, yeah, a planet, basically like this Mortal Kombat style setting, you know, where the best warriors are zipped away to go fight on a planet, although they're not fighting 1v1, they're fighting together. So that's... Cool, and it drops you straight into the action literally with Adrian Brody falling from the sky. So it creates a really yeah, yeah. good question like, oh, my God, what's going on here, you know? What's happening? Obviously because it's called Predators and they roll the Predators title in two seconds, you'd be having to live under a pretty special rock to actually be caught up to the main mystery, which is, again, why these mystery elements of Predator don't work outside of the first one. 
Well, well, everyone's too familiar with the backs with the, the lore it. and the backstory. We're going to watch so. another one because we want to watch more Predator. So I don't know why they lean so hard into that because it's it's done. It's tied. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the Predator, which I don't know. I, it's really, I love Shane Black. You know, uh, as a writer director, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, brilliant. Love it. Uh, the the Nice Guys, even though the Nice Guys is basically kiss kiss bang bang redone um slightly still love it yeah formula works the man knows how to do it cast charismatic leads with great comedic chops and timing and hmm. and you're in for a fun time <clears throat> but so when they announced him to be doing the predator and the rumor was that he had been hired for the original Predator. He plays Hawkins, which is the first member of the team to die, mm. um, one who likes telling filthy jokes and has the biggest glasses you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like something out of the 60s or something more than the 80s. He um, he dies and the rumour was that, that um, he was approached to do some rewriting and he said no I'm trying to focus on my acting and so like we'll hire as an actor but we'll, they kill him off first and they're like while you're waiting around why don't you have a look at the script <clears throat> who knows because there was a clusterfuck that happened behind the scenes on Predator which involved Jean-Claude Van Damme in a red lobster outfit and I know it sounds like I'm making a joke but you should go look up the footage it is fucked Predator should have been terrible um, and they stopped production to go and hire Stan Winston, amazing special effects genius responsible for why Jurassic Park looks the way it does and will forever, you know, stand up because there's way less CG in that movie than there had to be and the practical effects stuff looks incredible and that's why the, the actual Predator looks amazing because it was designed by a special effects genius um, to look fucking terrifying. And also to have a logic, you know, the, the crow clicking noise is it's it's mandibles. It's like a cat. Yeah. You know, when cats see birds and they can't get to them, and they, yeah, like, it's like it gets excited and it's mandibles click type thing, but it's a, such a cool like audio cue that you're about to die. You know, you're, mm. you're being watched, um, which is great horror, right? When you mm. don't just make it visual, you use sound cues. And now oh, the predator... Oh. So Shane Black was hired to write The Predator and I was mm. very excited. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you be? At that stage we'd had Predator which I liked, Predator 2 which oh sorry Predator which I loved, Predator 2 which I liked and Predators which I liked more than Predator 2 but not as much as Predator. So I'm like I'm still all good on the Predator front. They haven't fucked up yet. I don't count AVP because why the fuck would you? So there's no reason to be alarmed at this stage. Shane Black the guy rumoured to uh, be a big part of the success of the original movie that we all love so much is on board to write and direct and he's directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang at this stage so you know that he can direct and it's not just one of those why they're getting a writer to direct is it because they're trying to cheap out and does this person know how to direct and it's important to know how to direct action and obviously everything outside of that we don't just want quips um, everything looks good and then and everything goes to shit. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so what did you think of The Predator? You know, I mean, again, no problem at all with, with Shane Black. Obviously has uh, written and directed some films that I really enjoy, similar to you. So it's not like I went in going, oh, the guy that died first in the first one, you know, what the fuck? Like, I don't want to watch this film. 
I was very excited about it. Always excited when a new Predator instalment comes out. I really love the franchise and I'm always hopeful. Same with Alien. Yeah. And how sad that's been for the last 15 years, 20 years. Yeah. You know how they (laughs) release the Snyder Cut? It's like release the Ridley Scott from making Alien movies. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I had high hopes. What I will say is I like the setup of the captured predator escaping a lab. I think that that's, you know, not that, I mean, we're not operating in a world where you have to go, well, you know, that's a very plausible thing that could happen that, you know, unleashes the predator into the modern world. Um, But it, that's how I sound, by the way. Yeah. Um, Uncanny. (laughs) I'll stop making that stupid joke. Don't worry. Um, I won't stop making that. My joke, my retort to it. (laughs) Um. But, you know, it, it makes sense. I think that that is a good setup. It's it's a scary setup, which is, you know, but the way that it's handled, it was just sort of all about the it, – it seemed that the, the vast majority of the motivation behind this film was to get an ensemble cast together – that created a bunch of hilarious quips and, you know, this is about, you know, the gangs back together, baby, even though we don't know any of these fucking people, you know, and... The loonies. Yeah. They call them the loonies. Yeah. They call themselves the loonies. Yeah, so we don't know any of these fucking people. We don't care that this particular gang is forced together, back together, existing together. None of that has been earned. And it just felt like it was all about making a smart-ass string of dialogue, you know, and, and, you know, you've got Keenan telling, you you know, yo mama jokes and and stuff like that. And I'm like, I mean, that guy's obviously way better than the script he was given in terms of his, you know, comedic chops, his timing, his, you know, and they're all at the mercy of what's written down there and you can tell. Um, you've got people like, uh, and I love Thomas Jane, like he's one of my favourite action actors of all time. Um, but he's a good actor in his own right. Yeah. I think he's earned that in, in other films. And he's clearly working with what he's got and he's really acting his heart out, but he doesn't have much, you know. And for me it, it's like they tried so hard to be smart and sassy and cool that they forgot they were making a, a Predator film. And I've never seen so much happen on screen for no result. Yeah. They should be called the Quipsters. And yeah. that's the thing. Like I think I probably originally rated this movie half half star out of five and I went up to one out of five. So it got better for me because I went in knowing that I was going to hate it. I've only seen it twice I think and both times I was – <clears throat> under the influence. You were lit. And it was still didn't help to save it. But I actually appreciated some of the quips. And really that was it. Like I laughed like, and at jokes. But the problem is. Yeah, but that does not a Predator film make. No, it's a terrible <laughs> Predator movie. And and that carries over into some of the deaths. And the, the big bad guy who 
I don't remember the actor's name, sorry, but he's an incredibly good actor um, who I think we first kind of came to appreciate in um, American Crime Story. Yeah. Yeah. He was amazing in that. And he's he's got quips as well, but he's got, you know, dramatic chops from what we've seen him in before. And he makes a good bad guy and he kind of seems to find the balance a bit better of being a serious threat and also occasionally making some legitimately funny jokes. He's, his death comes at, you know, utter, utter, utter clownery. He, yeah. He moves his head in the wrong direction when he's got a stolen uh, Predator plasma caster shoulder cannon and blows his own head off. So his death is played for laughs. And that's just such a bad way to go about it. Like why build it up like for that to be the climax? And that's when they've finally got it back into the jungle, you know, for the the climax where they're like, oh, we're actually going to get into a place where there's new – beefed up evolved predator that's 11 foot tall it doesn't need to be taller um is hunting them and it and it's just yeah a a lot of the deaths in there are are played for lols um rather than them being serious so they're not even the filmmakers aren't even taking it seriously at that stage they're not even taking it seriously that you know, these dudes are being hunted by a terrible threat so it, it makes the threat seem farcical because they're not even taking the death seriously. Uh, you mentioned that I, I do like the idea of a captured predator and it escaping or whatever, but that's not even like the start of the movie. It's so confusing. That that comes like what to, more closer to the middle because mm. the start of the movie is about some fucking sniper guy whacking fools who are kidnappers or something. I don't know. And then... He happens to be there when a predator ship crashes. Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then you later find, unless I'm getting my predators confused, no, I'm not because I always go in trying to understand the different predators and their motivations. He's supposed to be there to give people a gift, like humanity a gift, but he's yep. killing humans initially until he's not later. Um, and this dude kind of partially incapacitates it and then steals its mask and its wrist gauntlet because his priority isn't get the fuck out of here or kill this thing. It's No, it's, I want to be able to prove that I saw an alien nobody's going to believe me. Yeah. But we yeah. don't know this guy that hasn't been set up as something where he needs to prove himself or whatever. And No. <laughs> and then he sends this shit back home. Uh, and I thought, again, inebriated when I watched it initially, this is me trying to understand the plot for y'all that he sent the stuff back home because he was going home, but he later says he sent it to a P.O. box so it would never get home. But then there's this awkward scene with a postman who's like, your dad hasn't paid his P.O. box bills. So they bring the shit back to him rather than just throwing it out or confiscating it or whatever because, like, wouldn't they want their money back? Anyways, um, then he turns up at their house his house later to find the stuff even though he sent it to a P.O. box. (laughs) So the whole setup doesn't make any sense. And then by the time you get to the end of the movie and he's got this autistic son, which is what it is, it's fine, and it's actually part of the plot, I think, for the worse um, because the predator at the end is looking to evolve and it – it wants um, whatever the main character's surname is and he says, oh, you think it's the main the main guy, the man, but it actually wants the kid mm. uh, because 
lots of experts believe that autism is um, the next step of evolution. Which, okay, I don't know if that's true, but the problem is to set up that misdirect. Is the predator talks to them? By the way, the predator uses a translation device to mm. talk to them, which yes, and, and make it all into a fun sport where he's hunting them as a game, where he gives them a head start. Yeah. Shit, like, so instead of it being yeah, unsportsman that, and all that yeah. stuff, it's like, no, no, this is literally a game now. So they, they've really given up at that point. But mm-hmm. the predator says there is only one among you that is worthy, which would have been fine if he left it at that or whatever or who I'm interested in, but he says, and is a great warrior. His son's not a great warrior. His son is a child. Tiny, and unless this predator can see the future which isn't covered, then we don't know that he's going to become that. Um, he's accidentally killed a dude that threw something at his head, but that was the predator mask defending itself and the other predator wasn't around to see that. No. So it's just this hokey line that's there to fully make you go, oh, they're talking about the main guy. And then they're like, no, they weren't. It was like, well, why did he call? Like, So there's so many little things you can nitpick about it. Yeah. But in terms of it being a predator movie, it just misses out on the essentials. It just isn't. There isn't any real tension. It's way closer to Alien versus Predator, except in this instance it's Predator versus Predator. Um, the action sequences all fall flat. The characters outside of being funny are all just kind of shit and who cares. I don't care <laughs> about the main guy. I kind of wish that he died, but he didn't die. <laughs> Uh, not the actor. Sorry, I'm not wishing death on you, sir. I quite liked you as a bad guy in Logan, so I know that you can act. Yeah. I just, again, like you were talking about with the script, it, it's a movie that reeks of studio interference, but at the same time it's hard to see what could have been good about it Well, yeah. had there not been that, and that's only assuming that there was you know, studio and, interference. Well, yeah, and look, I think like you, I've seen it twice. Um, I think I've seen it three times now. Go me. <laughs> I love it. Um, both times I didn't see it at the movies. I saw it, but you know, I didn't drink for the first one. Nice. Last night we were drinking, but that's fine. Um, what I wish I hadn't done is read that there were several issues during the editing phase, um, where there were things that were reshot or repurposed where they weren't originally supposed to be and stuff like that. And some of those action sequences, like with that knowledge in mind and I was sort of actively looking out for it, you can tell where shit's just kind of been thrown together or reused or repurposed and it's just – it reeks of, like you said, studio interference and also uh, conflicting ideas on what it is and where it wanted to end up because it's – I don't know if you read about the five to fifty thousand different endings. Well, like what was in the in the pod at the end? Oh, originally, no. like the, it was anything. It could have been anything. I think they even shot a scene where Newt, the uh, chick who played Newt from Aliens, yeah, was in the pod. Forget the fact that she what as a crossover died in Alien Three, yeah. And then there was <laughs> another one where there was Arnie in there, and I think these were just drafted ideas. There was another one where Sigourney Weaver was in there as Ellen Ripley, you know. Um. So they had no idea, and then what they ended up with was the I mean, in a movie of bad CG, the worst CG of a gauntlet that turns a nerdy scientist nobody into a super predator killer thing Mm. like that would make people excited for more predator works 
when Predator has all the power. Yeah. <laughs> so if you've got something that means humans have more power, then the Predators aren't threatening anymore. It's the same as um, Taming Raptors in the Jurassic World movies. It was always a bad idea. It was conceptually a bad idea because you cannot tame what is the biggest creepy threat in the Jurassic Park movies. Same things with Xenos. If you tried to do it with Xenos in the alien world, you can have people trying to do it, but they have to fail. Yeah. It has to not work. Um, and then and they kind of started leaning into that in Jurassic World. And then right at the end, no, nah, no, nah, blew the Velociraptor. She's all good and she's back on my side. Yay. Haven't seen the third one yet. Mm. Um, not in a rush. We'll be probably watching that pretty drunk, to be honest, because the second movie was an abomination. It made the first movie look like genius. Uh, by first movie, I mean Jurassic World. Uh, but yeah, as a, as a predator movie, mm. even because I heard they reshot the ending that the original it wasn't. Yeah, they, they reshot not just that final endings. ending, but like yeah. the ending action sequence was apparently set during day, and then they reshot it all at night, and Ooh. then they added the fight on the predator ship and stuff. So they they really felt like they were scrambling. Um, but if you look at it from a outside of its action sequences and or whatever, it's like what is it? What is it trying to do as a Predator movie? Nothing. Like nothing that is new or good. And that ending sequence in the forest where they're being hunted just shows that they're like, I don't know, we haven't done anything original, so why don't we just try to do a callback? Yeah. How are we going to do it differently? Are we going to turn it into a big joke mm. and just a giant gore fest and where physics makes no sense? You know, where <laughs> Predator shoots a – it's – gauntlet at a dude and he explodes like he doesn't just get cut in half or it goes through him he explodes and you're like what mm. which at least in i think in predators there's a shoulder cannon that sh shoots a dude and just explodes him into mist and you're like well i guess they probably maybe have settings on that but this is a blade this is thing something he stabbed people <laughs> with before and again it, it feels so stupid to be nitpicking stuff but it's just the the lack of care yeah top to bottom um, and, and ultimately it's them trying to tell a story of a rogue predator that comes to Earth to give people a gift, but for them to set up that twist in a Terminator 2 kind of way, you know, where it's like it's actually our ally, that it's killing people. Mm. At the beginning it's doing what predators do rather than, you know, trying to avoid and survive or whatever. And then later on it's telling them to put their guns down with like hand actions and stuff which is more in line with the character they set up but then there's all this exposition around what they think is happening that we're just supposed to accept is exactly what's happening mm. and then they shoehorn in global warming at the end is the reason why the predators want to take over our planet okay like what yeah it just didn't need to happen um and that's a problem it's a problem when you know because shane black was saying when they approached him to do it, he's like, oh, you're not going to give me a big enough budget to do it right. And they're like, here you go, have a big budget. And then he made that. Mm. And it's and it's what? You've got predators that are evolving and then your twist is that they want a kid with autism to be even more evolved. And you're like, okay. But like... I, I feel that 
that's a, a noble theme, but it wasn't executed very well at all. Yeah, but also it's like, okay, that's a cool first draft idea. What do you got? What else have you got? Yeah. Like what other story do you need to tell? Mm. Um, and we've already seen Predator infighting in Predators, so that's not even new. No. Like so you're not even doing anything new there with Predator hunting Predator type thing. Mm. Uh, and we've never had a suggestion that a Predator would want to help People, it might respect people like they didn't kill Danny Glover's character at the end of Predator 2. Yeah. You know, they're like, you killed one of ours and, you know, it was a fair fight and we respect you and you can get out of here. We're not going to let you leave um, easily. Like you have to run out of this ship and we're going to leave. Like <laughs> good luck. You probably will get eviscerated or exploded by the engine. Mm. Um, but we're not going to kill you at the same time. It's just, oh, what a, yeah, what a terrible Predator movie. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's just a crap movie, and yeah, like it's terrible just, action movie. Yeah, it's got some quips, <laughs> but what yeah. you know, in a movie that throws fifty thousand quips at you, you know, a handful of them are bound to land. Um, yeah, and that's what it feels like. It's just machine gun quippage. Yeah, and it's not like it's a bunch of nobody actors. No, like there are a few, but there are big names in there that are also trying to make a go of what they've got and they haven't got much. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your movie then? How would you change The Predator? You just wouldn't make it. <laughs> well, well, I mean, that's the obvious answer. I, if that's what I had to work with, I'm not convinced that I could make it better. Yeah, um, so is there anything in there but, that you would salvage and reuse? Yeah, yeah. Like, the I title. Mean, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't call it the Predator. Probably not. No, <laughs> that's, that's a good start. You know, um, I'm already more interested. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, I get. Obviously, the film explains why they've called it that, but I I think more problems than it's worth. Yes, and you know, I mean, surely, I mean, Predators was a fucking stretch, but yeah. I got over it because it was half decent. And there was multiple Predators. Yeah. You know, um, but look, like I said before, I think the predator escaped from the lab to kick off the the, the issue in the film, like the, the main problem that you're trying to solve. I think that's good. I think that works. Um, the, you know, ensemble group that's going to fight the problem, that's classic predator. How they're put together... You know, it's obviously the, you know, CIA military themes that carry through most of the films. So, you know, that kind of works too. So there, there, there's stuff there that you can, that you can salvage. For me though, um, I think they're trying to, like they just, they tried to do too much and none of it executed well because, they were focused on being too cool for their own good. And it, that doesn't mean that a film has to be, you know, super serious and nobody's making any jokes. It's all about the dogged approach of the escaped predator and all we're going to do is talk about how to get it and then what we're doing when we kill it, you know. Like that that would be a pretty boring movie as well. So that's not what, that's not what I mean. But, you know, I think that... There's a more organic way to do, you know, character building that forwards the story. Um, I feel like 
we didn't really get to like none of the characters were particularly fleshed out despite being on screen a lot. They were um, too busy quipping. Too busy quipping. Um, didn't really get to learn about their personal motivations in it or, um, you know, what learn what they added to the story. So, I mean, you know, if you look at the first one, you've got, you know, a, 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 a bunch of brawny dudes you know, with military backgrounds that are fighting this thing, but they still added so much colour and shape to their characters through their own motivations and their own approaches. Even Shane, even Hawkins, in the very limited time that he was on screen. But then you've got you've got Billy who admits that he's frightened. Yeah. You know, um, big strong man who's seen a lot. Oh shit! You ain't afraid of no man. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you know, a little bit hokey, I guess, when he's like, you know, when that's not a man out there or whatever. But like, that sort of stuff adds so much depth to characters that just wasn't part of any of them in the Predator. You know, you've got um, you, you've got a, people making a bunch of funny lines and doing slightly odd things. You've got you know Thomas Jane with his Tourette's tick. And that's his whole character. Yeah. Like, uh, and I'm not making fun of Tourette's. I think that he did the best with what he had, but we learnt nothing else about him. Yep. Um, so. They're all cookie cutters. I think that. With a tick. You know, I wouldn't necessarily handle the action any different or better, but the character depth would be there to help propel the story and show. You know, I think from there, once you start separating how the characters differ from each other, how they might disagree, how they might get each other into more danger, then you can start looking at different ways that the action plays out rather than being like, oh, the kids thought it was a video game. He stole the computer. Like, <laughs> and that's how that person sounded. Yeah. Um, Uncanny. <laughs> Sorry, everyone hates me. Um, yeah, it's – I just – I feel like that that is where you could start to get some semblance of a, a memorable and likeable film is when you're doing more with the main characters. And, you know, it doesn't – like it doesn't have to be big. I mean, Billy didn't have more than 20 lines in the whole film, but he's very memorable. Yeah. You know, and um, he also has a defined role in the group. Yeah, and he's the fucking expert tracker. Yeah, and I would do away completely with this idea of the evolved communicative predator that you know suddenly goes into hollow. I want to play a game. You have a head start. <laughs> like, let's let's just not with all of that. Um, I think they're much more terrifying in a primitive state where they're not, they don't have the appearance of being humanised and self-aware in that way um, because they've been established in every other film as not being that, or not, not being evolved in that way. They're technologically advanced um, but largely lacking you know, with, with you know, minus 6,000 EQ. Yeah. Like, 
and that's what makes them terrifying. You know, and yes, it might be a game to them and maybe in their alien mind they're going, I'll give them a head start to play with my food, haha. But why are we – we don't need to know that. No. Just show it in how they act and how they interact with the people and the danger that they present and how they kill off the characters and pick them off. You could easily show without telling that they were giving the humans a head start only to play with them. Yeah. You know, and, and it's lazy to put it into dialogue. Well, in it's just a hokey way. But it, and it was that, for me that the the threat was never supposed to be that advanced in its in, in you know, its humanity. Um because that's what like what is the is is there going to be a movie where they become allies and like make quips with oh, fucking Thomas Jane going yeah bro haha like no, please like no. you know, imagine that like I mean because that's that's the next step from no. how they've set this up yeah. so it's um it, it's for me I would take them back to their base prey brain. And, you know, the, the character de- development would lead to both internal group growth and conflict, which would then affect the action. Um, you know, and hopefully I'd make it a little bit actually cool than trying to be cool. But, hey, what do I know? Yeah, right. I mean, I think that anybody could say that they would just take a predator-shaped shit and throw it at a wall and it would be a better movie <laughs> than The Predator, which feels, you know, unfair and, and lazy. Um, for me, I think the way that I would do it is kind of similar to how you you started out though, is to, <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> ditch most of that movie, uh, which is a cheat. Keep it, we'll call it The Predator still, um, but have the lab predator... And then it escapes, but it escapes with like its bare essentials. So if it needs breathing stuff, which they selectively do or don't apparently, so give it its breathing stuff and maybe give it its mask, but that's it. No weapons. So it's on the run and make it a little bit more like um, Super 8, you know, where where there's there's a monster that you're supposed to be afraid of, but you actually start to sympathize with it. So it escapes and it's being hunted by a bunch of people that, want to get it back and maybe they don't want to kill it maybe they want to bring it back to do more horrific experiments on it to discover how it ticks um and so you have a story that's kind of flipped on its head instead of humans being hunted by a predator it's predator being hunted by humans but this is a, a creature that adapts and grows but it doesn't have its technological edge that it usually has so you what you get to see is more of like a a rambo style story where the you you're actually following the plight of a predator who doesn't talk and doesn't have his weird quips or whatever, um, but he's being hunted by a team of people that really know how to hunt predators because they've been studying this guy, they've been studying his weapons, they've gone back and done all the stuff um, at the sites, you know, from the 87 incident and from Predator 2 and they're really like, we know as much as we can know and we're in the know and we're going to hunt this thing and you get to see really how a predator thinks and you still follow that team, right? And you still make them 
to what you said, a team of people that are individuals and that who maybe you even care about and maybe you see them more as just like soldiers doing their own job, but that doesn't change the fact that they're still kind of the bad guys in this story because it's their job to go and round up a creature who, you know, is, yeah, might have come to this world with nefarious intentions or whatever in my story. It's not here to give humanity a gift. It's probably here to hunt people. Um, But it's also been tortured and mangled and you kind of, you feel sorry for it and you understand why it's It's angry. Yeah. Yeah. And then you could, um, you could have them still getting killed off and you've got this awesome then dramatic tension of like characters who you care about, but also a predator who you care about. And you can have that little moment of respect at the end, which ends with, a human letting a predator go. Yeah. Which isn't a great idea anyway because it's going to go kill everyone but that leaves it more open for sequels or maybe it shows a predator that not all people are out there to fuck with it or it's like on a system of like you were better than me and thank you type thing might lead to different solutions or outcomes or maybe it just fucks off back to space. I don't know. But what I've really disliked about any Predator sequel, which I was complaining endlessly about earlier is that they've never lent into making the main story about a group of people that fucking know. They know the threat. They are equipped to deal with it. And you'd still that doesn't mean that the predator becomes like not a threat. It just means that it's way more even footing and that you get to see more. You have to let I mean as a filmmaker, as a creator of this story, you would have to lean more into how intelligent a predator is. It's not just that it has invisibility or it has these high-tech weapons that can make short work of anybody, no matter their size. It also has the smarts and it's adaptable and it learns. And I think that's the terrifying thing is its intelligence. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it scarier conceptually for me than a Xeno. I mean, a Xeno is more like an animal, right? And it's yeah. not to say that it doesn't have any intelligence, but it seems to be more of like an instinctual hunter, you know, like a lion or a tiger or something like that, rather than mm. something that is thinking and adapting and growing and changing. Like that threat is terrifying. And so when you start a story, probably maybe even with a misdirect, maybe even with the capture capturing of the predator you start off with a team in a jungle or something and you're like oh these guys are, this movie's called the predator they're gonna get fucked up by a predator and they turn it around and they capture this thing so yeah maybe that's how you would endear yourselves to this group you'd have to keep it fairly truncated right mm. um, because you want to make the majority of the story about the predator on the run and they capture it and they're better and equipped and then yeah you get that inversion and you get a, a story arc for the predator character as well because anytime a, um, a Predator movie develops a Predator's personality more without dialogue, um, it's better for it. And Prey did that really well. Yeah. How do we do a Predator that we haven't seen before, not just in terms of its cool weapons, which is par for the course, you know, oh, we've got to give him something new, we'll give him a shield and we'll give him this cool dart gun. And so they do that. But how do we make it so that it seems like Predators aren't just, you know, T-800s off a production line that are all ostensibly the same. How do we make it so it seems like these things come from a culture where they have, you know, um, they look different, they act different, they have different codes, maybe different tribes, different understandings of what it means to hunt a human. Do you respect human prey? Do you annihilate human prey? Is human prey the same as, you know, ripping a snake's spine out? Is that the same thing as a human? Doesn't register as anything. Do you respect them as a threat? Do you not? Whenever they do that without making them actually talk, (laughs) 
then the movie's better for it. And it shows that they've actually sat down and thought about it um, because you're, you're dealing with um, creatures that have to be incredibly intelligent. Yeah. Because they've invented fucking space travel and they have weaponry and That's visibility. Far more advanced than anything in the US modern military. Which says intelligent society. Yeah. Uh, beyond ours. Um, and we're, but we're also adaptable threats. You know, and that's why you know Predator Two when they're like, we've learnt that it sees uh, the body body temperature, so we block it, and then it adapts, and it's mm. like I can see your lights now and stuff like yeah. that. And then Predators, I can see your heartbeat with this vision setting, like, ah, oh, interesting. Well, yeah, and like for me, the mistake is made, and it's like, yes, intelligent society, not human society. So they don't play by our rules. They don't have the moral compass that we have because they're not human. It's not a human, it's not a human being. It's not a human society and it's high technological intelligence and mechanical intelligence, not humanity. Yeah. But they have a code. Yeah. Right. Like they don't kill uh, the main predators that we're used to dealing with from the first movie. Let's just go with the first movie because it's easier. They don't kill you if you're unarmed. Yeah. Right? Um, that's really important. It's They don't not kill the chick because she's a chick. They're not like, oh, chicks, we don't kill chicks. They're like, no, we'll fucking kill them. And in Predator 2, mm. it's even killing old like ladies yeah. on the train because they all have guns. If yeah. you have a gun, you're a threat. Um, and then it shows a kid with a fake gun, so then it has the capacity to analyse it and go, that's actually not a real gun. That's just a toy, yeah. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to kill it. So if you're not a threat to it, it will not kill you because mm. it's not sporting. So on one hand that seems honourable, oh, you're not a threat, it's not going to kill you, what a good soldier. And then on the other hand it's like, no, because it doesn't have any respect for you because you're not a threat to it. So it's like actually it, kind of fucking it, arrogant. It wants to dominate. Not- yeah. But not, you can use yeah. that knowledge, like if you were doing a here's my movie type thing yeah. and you've got these people who've done their homework and they've, you don't have to have Arnie in it, although I'd always love to see Arnie make a cameo or whatever. They've talked to the people who survived these encounters and they've created like a psychological profile of what the predator is. And so they go in with all this knowledge thinking they're on top of it and then they encounter – this is an, another alternative idea. They encounter like something that's more like the predator and prey and it's like, oh, it doesn't abide by these rules because if you know that it won't kill you if you don't have a weapon, mm. why the fuck wouldn't you hide your weapons or why the fuck wouldn't you just go at it with no weapons as bait or distraction and then get someone else to use weapons or have weapons that you can pick up, acquire or a- activate via fucking remote control, mm. you know, anything. It's like if that's your rule, I'm going to exploit your rule. And then the predators who start losing because of that or this particular clan that has that honor code and likes to hunt humans goes, well, that's not working for us. We're going to have to change yeah. or evolve um, or find new ways to detect when they are, you know, manipulating us. And I think it just makes it more interesting because the problem you have in dealing with any sequel that is dealing with something that has a mysterious element is that the audience already knows. Mm. We know from the title. Like if they had somehow managed to make Prey come out with a trailer that had no predator in it and it looked like it was, you know, this Native American person, rite of passage, 
hunting, but it looked like an action movie. Yeah. And you went in and saw it and then you realised, oh, my God, there's a predator. Like mm. at the appropriate time that they wanted you to realise that. Yeah. That would be cool because the audience is in the dark. Yeah. But in this day and age, and bear in mind, Prey was supposed to be a secret. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it was some political, not political, some business decision in 2020 when they were getting close to being sold or whatever, they're trying to create hype, maybe push their value up or maybe they were trying to not be sold, that they announced that the guy that did 17 Cloverfield Lane or whatever the title of the movie was, which is a great movie, um, was writing and directing another Predator movie. And he tweeted and said, man, I really wish that that hadn't come out. Mm. It's like I've been working on this for four years. It's in secret. It's not called Predator and obviously it's called Prey. But because it became common knowledge, that's how the branding went. You know, that's how mm. the font has that Predator font for mm. Prey. And it kind of ruined it. Cool so font. Absolutely cool font. But if you went into that movie, Prey, with no knowledge of it being a Predator movie and they had that font, you'd be like, it's a fucking Predator font. Yeah. And it would be in the back of your mind the whole time and it would kind of ruin it. So if you cannot preserve the mystery by basically not leaning into the strength of your IP being its title, mm. <laughs> then you've got to like I think the way that the stories have to go from now on is stop trying to convince us that oh, what is this? We don't know what it is because the audience is there going, we know what it is. It's a fucking predator, mate. Yeah. Like we've seen this story before. Do a different story. And I think letting humans know <clears throat> excuse me, what they're up against and maybe even going in with weapons and tools that are based on predator stuff or that are designed as counters to it yeah. doesn't make the story worse it means that the predator has to be even better than that so it leads you in with characters who have an, a sense of overconfidence that they are properly prepared for a fight and maybe initially they are mm. but then it turns out <clears throat> well the biggest threat of a predator is not its arsenal it's its intelligence much like humans that's the whole point of why humans beat predators is because we're adaptable yeah and it might you might kill most of us but we will learn and then we will exploit that and we'll beat you. So yeah. reverse that. Anyways, that's that's my movie. That's I Katie's like movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It just makes me sad because I'm not saying obviously, oh, that movie would have been amazing. I'm just saying at least from a conceptual level it would have been different. And it would have been something that respected what came before but still tried to do something that wasn't just retreading or paradising yeah. Um, and I think that's the, the biggest sin you can commit with any series, uh, especially one that's not a comedy series, is to not take it seriously. Totally. Christopher Nolan very famously said um, about the Batman sequels, and I think this was forever in Batman and Robin, it was like how can you expect an audience to take your movies seriously if you as the filmmaker do not take it seriously? If you yeah. do not take your world seriously, if you think your world is a joke, your audience will think your world is a joke. That's not to say you can't have humour and you can't have jokes. Um, <clears throat> Shane Black's obviously very good at jokes and it would have been good because quips are good for building bonds and camaraderie and endearing an audience to characters. But if all you have is, I mean, there's that scene in the bus where he's the, um, the black dude who loves smoking, <laughs> literally just says this guy's that and that's his deal, this guy's that and that's his deal, this guy's that and that's his deal. And they don't really evolve beyond that. No. It's they're, super inelegant. It's just this ham-fisted intro and 
that's the box they're put in forever. And you're like, okay, well, you've given me this start and that's an information dump overload, too much exposition. Yeah. I actually would prefer if you did it the way that they did it in Suicide Squad, which is totally inelegant where they have fucking literal character cards. Yeah. But at least that's got a little bit of style behind it. This is just a dude going, he's that, he's that, he's that, he's that. Uh, um, okay, I've already forgotten their names. Um, but he's the religious one. Oh, okay, I wonder how that'll play into uh, he's just the religious one. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, he's got Tourette's. Yeah, right. How's that going to – that's probably going to be a real disadvantage when they're being hunted by a predator and there's this guy who can't help himself and he's fucking involuntarily making noise. That's going to lead to some – oh, no, they didn't even do that. He was just a guy who's a really accomplished actor who has Tourette's. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it just makes me sad. It obviously makes me sad as a big fan of the franchise um, when they make something that is just so like what was that? Mm. that wasn't even trying to be a Predator movie. No. And it wasn't trying to do anything new or meaningful for uh, the, the lore, the mythology. or Its execution of that whole evolved species was just that. It was a studio. I mean, I don't know if this was the studio. No, you had Olivia like. Munn's fucking iPad with a few slides on it that they literally brushed through on what they knew of the predator race and they had some information from, you know, the 1987 jungle expedition yeah, and a few sketches and that was sort of, oh, yeah, like this is what we know. This lady's been wanting to see a space animal since she was a child. I know. Anyway... Moving on, I'm like, is that seriously yeah. all you're going and to her say? intro, hello, Ms. What's-Your-Face, we hear you, like, stargazing and she's, like, her eyes light up like it's significant mm. and you're, like, clunky. Yeah. But, um, again, I don't know if it was studio interference or it was Shane Black's idea, but that 11-foot evolved CG monstrosity predator is exactly the meme of how... Uh, studios, suits, corporate, money people see uh, sequel escalation. Yeah. Well, we're going to have a, he's got to be bigger. You know, he's got to be CG-er. He's, yeah. he's got to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what his accent is. <laughs> Uncanny. Um, but you know what I mean? Like it's like, well, it's, if it's a sequel, then we've got to have a predator that's literally bigger. It's taller. It's faster. It doesn't need its mask. It has all of its weapons are overpowered and you're like. Why? Mm. Why does it need to – we want to see some new weapons, which we didn't re- – I mean, I guess he had the cable that cut off those three dudes' heads <laughs> when they were driving away. Um, mm, but outside yeah. of that, you know, again, Predator 2 gets a lot of love for me because they really thought – because the original Predator, they had to make it – they had to design it and build it and make it work in such a short time frame because they stopped production – to go, if we release with this lobster, roundhouse-kicking lobster fucking Jean-Claude Van Damme, this movie's going to fail, and it would have. Um, They didn't get a lot of time to flesh it out. So when they're like, we're doing Predator 2, they're like, okay, let's uh, let's do more weapons. What what have you got? Oh, let's make this cool neck gun, this disc thing, which was utterly brutal, that like dart gun thing that punches through heads and that they incorporated into the plot. And then the different vision modes. So it's like it shows that this predator had evolved based mm. on past events as well as humans. So uh, as well as the humans responding to the first event. 
That's how you do escalation. Yeah. Not, well, in this movie, if the predator was eight foot, it has to be 12 foot. And in the next one, it's got to be as big as a building. Mm. Imagine that, a predator that's as tall as a Yeah. Stupid. No, 100%. Anyways, we should probably wrap it up. Yeah. How do we do our wrap up? We have to tell them about socials and stuff or? Oh, yeah. Look, and I just want to say like, you know, let's just move forward. Like, let's just go, yeah, some movies suck. Some movies are awesome. You can like whatever movies you want. Don't be scared of perceived agendas. Let's just be together and cool as a big group of whoever. Yeah. And some people suck. Fuck them. And if you're scared of perceived agendas, please have a look in the mirror and think it's more likely than not that you are the one that is bringing your agenda, ironically. Yeah, true. Like your lens is warped. If all you see whenever you see a certain thing that triggers you into believing it has to be that because lady on poster or whatever, that's on you. And Prey is a perfect example of that. There will be times when you will be right and it will seem like, oh, okay, that actually seems like it's just tokenism. Yeah. Uh, tokenism is not good. No, and Inclusion but, and diversity are important, but tokenism is not great. Well, no, and it's important to note that the people being tokenized don't really appreciate it either. No. So <laughs> if, yeah, if, if there is an agenda, tokenism probably doesn't help it. Yeah. So, yeah, just have a think about, like, we all have our different views of the worlds and our biases and what we do and don't like. Um, it's more than likely you going in with that problem. If you're writing a movie off, on one element yeah. before you've even seen it. And it might suck. And you don't have to see every movie. Yeah. You don't have to see every movie that you don't think is aimed at you. But if you're a Predator fan, you have to see Prey. You fucking have to. You're obliged to see it because mm. it's a Predator movie. Do you have to enjoy it? No. Absolutely not. No, you don't. But if you don't enjoy it because you're looking, you're going in with your arms crossed and your nose is huffing about, oh, yeah, I don't know about all this shit because of some bullshit that you brought to the movie – before it's even started, let the movie suck of its own accord. Let it impress you or surprise you. Yeah. I went in with high expectations and I th was worried about that mm. because high expectations tend to lead to disappointment. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of buzz around, a lot of rave from people whose opinions I respected. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm excited. I still haven't lost my love for Predator movies despite The Predator. Yeah. And it didn't disappoint. It's not five out of five for me. It's not Predator you know, uh, all over again. It's not Predator better. It's not Predator rebooted. It's part of the universe. It's a prequel. It works. And it's a great action movie and it's a, it's a great Predator movie too. 100%. So with that, we bid you farewell and we hope to be back soon. We'd really like to revive this. So Where can they find us, Katie? Do you remember off the top of your head and just make it up if you can't? What's that? Or oh, Facebook. Just, just go to here'smymovie.com. We're all linked there. We do have a Facebook and a Twitter, but you know what? Here'smymovie.com is a great place to start yeah, to find out more about us. Give us some hits. We pay for web hosting and at the moment I don't think many people are going there, <laughs> understandably. I get a lot of uh, Nigerian scammers that, oh, yeah? that attempt to email me through there and I enjoy wasting their time. Good. Um, as and long also, as they're subscribed. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're huge in Nigeria. <laughs> um, all right, here's my movie.com. Goodbye, love you. See ya.